Welcome to Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. I'm your aptly named host of your favorite hebdomadal podcast. Oh, I'm glad you're with me. I'd be hit with Onikia if you nailed me with the idea that you missed this week's show. Using COPE to keep your website fresh. Create once, publish everywhere. User-friendly COPE workflows and principles will efficiently keep your website content up to date. Explaining how are Caitlin Gerber and Rachel Cribbs, both from FORM. This is part of our coverage of the 2022 Nonprofit Technology Conference hosted by N10. On Tony's Take 2, please share. We're sponsored by Turn 2 Communications, PR and content for nonprofits. Your story is their mission. Turn-2.co And by Fourth Dimension Technologies. IT Infra in a Box. The affordable tech solution for nonprofits. Tony.ma slash 4D. Just like 3D, but they go one dimension deeper. Here is Using Cope to Keep Your Website Fresh. Welcome to Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio coverage of 22 NTC. You know what that is, the 2022 Nonprofit Technology Conference. Our coverage continues with Caitlin Gerber and Rachel Cribbs. Caitlin is Director of Operations at FORM, and Rachel Cribbs is Account Executive at FORM. Caitlin, Rachel, welcome to Nonprofit Radio. Thank you. Thanks for having us. It's a pleasure. Pleasure to have both of you. Your session topic is using COPE principles to keep your website fresh. We'll we'll get into what COPE is all about. Um, who wants to explain what uh, form is all about? Caitlin, I can take that one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Caitlin, Caitlin's been here longer than I have, but I have the 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 uh, elevator speech down. So, oh, Form is a uh, we are a digital first creative group, um, and we only work with nonprofit organizations. So, we are based in Cleveland, Ohio, but we work with nonprofits in every corner of the sector, um, all over the country. And we our mission is to help nonprofits connect with their patrons. Um, and do more work and do it better and reach more people. Uh, we do that through website creation. We do print, uh, digital marketing campaigns, um, digital interactive. So anything digital first, uh, we provide those services for nonprofit orgs. Um, and I come from about 11 years of nonprofit admin before joining the team. So that's kind of the perspective that I bring to the group. All right. Very concise. Thank you. You do have, sure. you do have it down. You're right. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I agree. Absolutely. All right. Um, then, uh, Caitlin, let's go to you. What, what COPE principles give us an overview of, of COPE and, and uh, how this is valuable for nonprofits? Yeah, so it's uh, one of those acronyms that we can add to the acronym JAR. So it stands for Create Once, Publish Everywhere. And the whole idea is really to work smarter, not harder. Um, So when you're creating website content, 
you want to create it only one time, but show it in multiple different places. Um, so it cuts down on kind of retyping the same things or having to keep different pages updated and keep track of all of that and really tries to simplify your workload um, when it comes to creating your content on the web um, and making it as easy for you to keep track of and keep updated on an ongoing basis. Is it something different than just simple repurposing? So it really comes down to how your website is set up. So it's kind of a whole uh, ideology of um, how you enter content into your content management system for your website. Um, So it is kind of a records-based approach. Um, So rather than creating individual pages and copy and pasting that content, um, you really are only entering it one time. Um, into a form. And then your website is displaying that content in multiple different places, even though it only exists one place in your content management system. More sophisticated the, than my simple-minded uh, repurpose. <laughs> well, the end, the end result is that content is repurposed, repurposed and there are all kinds of benefits um, to doing that. But the way to get it repurposed is a lot easier and more effective and efficient on the back end. Okay. So uh, let's stick with you, Rachel. What, what did you talk in your summary of the session about uh, COPA workflows? Mm-hmm. What does this, mm-hmm. what does this uh, start to look like? So basically, your uh, ideally the content management system. So the the thing that the nonprofit organization would see on the back end in order to publish information on the front end of their website. So your content management system. You know, examples of this are WordPress. It's probably the most popular one. Um, Drupal, uh, Squarespace, and Wix, these are all content management systems. So in the CMS, uh, there are a series of forms, ideally, so that you are entering information about certain types of content that may change frequently. Um, We call this dynamic content, like event listings, uh, blog posts, news articles, these types of things that are, are going to change frequently. You would enter into a form fields, uh, you know, date, start time, end time, when do I turn this off? What's the body? What images do you want um, into this form-based system in your CMS? And then you select where it's displayed on the on the front end to your users. So that's why we call it a workflow. It's really um, about the, uh, COPE refers to the system that the content creator is using to get this information out. Um, sounds really dry and boring, but the end result means, I mean, literally an exponential amount of time saved for nonprofit admins. And having been a nonprofit admin, I understand, you know, time is of the essence. And and also it avoids um, broken links, errors, uh, typos, because, you know, you're entering all this really detailed information multiple times. Um, but that's why we call it a workflow, because that's really what it's all about. And, and how, do you, how, how does someone create this? How does someone create the document that is linked, that is part of your your content management system that is then going to distribute this? How how does this all get Mm -hmm. made? Caitlin, you want to take that one? So for people who aren't working for form or working with (laughs) form, uh, how, how do they implement this? So the first step is to really identify types of content on your site that work well with this type of workflow. And what we mean by that are things that um, typically have a similar format on your site. So Rachel mentioned things like events. Um, So date-based things are really great um, because that allows uh, 
your system to automatically hide those things for you um, when the date passes. Um, so date-based type things are really good. Things like fundraising events, um, community events. If you're a, an arts organization, um, things like exhibitions or performances, um, those are great types of content to consider using this for. Um, also things like blogs, news, um, kind of the usual suspects there in terms of content that's created in a kind of standardized way. Um, and things like your program, services, locations, staff, um, things that you can easily imagine, you know, I can enter all of this information into a form because it all kind of follows the same format. Um, so the first step is really identifying what types of these things do you have on your website? Um, almost every nonprofit has events. Um, almost everyone has staff um, or programs, things like that. And so really uh, taking stock of what types of content you have on your site um, and then really mapping kind of how those relate to each other. So uh, on your program page, you might want to also display news about that program. You might want to also display who you should get in touch with if you have questions about that program um, or events that relate to that program and really kind of creating this map of kind of how your content can and should relate to each other. Um, and then really assessing, you know, are you already entering this content in this way um, or are you entering it one page at a time, copying and pasting it over yeah. um, and kind of taking stock of that. And then really it comes down to kind of how savvy you as an individual are um, with content management systems. Uh, it might be a thing where you feel really comfortable in WordPress and installing plugins and you can get these things set up yourself. Um, more often, you're probably going to be working with whoever you use um, to work on your website um, and saying, hey, these are the types of things that we would like to modify to be COPE friendly. Um, and web developers will know what that means. Um, they will understand that, that terminology. Um, they will understand what you mean by, hey, we want to make this a plugin um, and kind of working with them to update that. Um, the best time to consider this really is if you're doing a website redesign. You can certainly update your existing website, mm -hmm. but it's definitely easiest if you're thinking about embarking on building a new website in the next year or two years, if that's in the plan. Um, start taking stock of these types of content and mapping them to each other. So that way, when you are selecting a vendor or working with your existing vendor from scratch, um, you have your armed with its information and armed with these requests. Um, so that way it can be built right kind of from the, from the start um, and really just make sure that you're maintaining that. So if you, as an organization do decide to add a blog, for example, um, make sure that when that's added to your site, add it in a cope friendly way. Um, so that way you're kind of future proofing your content. Um, but really the first step is take stock. Where are you? <laughs> Where are you at now? Um, and then you can decide how you want to proceed from there. It's time for a break. Turn to communications, the content creation and the content management. You see now how they work together. Turn two can help you make the content, write the content, deliver it and deliver it to the audiences that you're trying to reach. Then you also need to manage it, right? You want to keep it public on your own sites. So you're getting it out through media channels. That's the ideal. And that's what Turn2 does. 
But then you got your own sites too. That's the earned versus the owned media. So where you own the site, whether it's uh, a blog or uh, maybe it's a podcast or, you know, just your website, it's all got to be managed. So it's findable. The content creation, the content management, turn to communications, turn hyphen co. Now back to using cope to keep your website fresh. Rachel, anything you want to add to the, to that? Yeah, I think just uh, the, the short, the, 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 the point is uh, you mostly have to work within your content management system, involve your web developer, WordPress, Drupal. Those are really popular content management systems. Um, there's another one called Final Site that a lot of K-12 schools use. These are all, um, they all support COPE. Um, I know on WordPress and Drupal, you could do some Googling online to figure out exactly how to do that, but it does get technical. And as Caitlin mentioned, reliant on third-party plugins. But if you're not the developer, as she mentioned, doing that kind of content mapping, thinking about how your website visitors might want to see information or what's going to be most informative to them is an important step you can take, even if you don't have that technical skill. Okay. I mean, it's it's hard for me to imagine a, a nonprofit not working with form. But I, I like to uh, have listeners understand, you know, how they can how they could proceed on their own. All right. So definitely mm-hmm. any web developer, uh, anybody who works in WordPress or Drupal is going to know or you mentioned Square to, you know, is going to know what cope cope is and cope friendly principles are. OK, OK. Yeah, this isn't a brand new concept. I think the term was first coined about a decade ago. Um, and it's just gained popularity because, as Rachel mentioned, nonprofit admins are busy people. They have a million things that they have to do. Um, and entering the same content for their website six times is not among the priority list. Um, so this this has really kind of taken, taken off um, and become a very familiar term in the industry. And uh, I was concerned uh, when, when I uh, selected this because on nonprofit radio, I have jargon jail. But, uh, <laughs> you both have been very good about explaining terms, you know, CMS, not just throwing out CMS, content management system, Rachel, you were very clear about that. So, uh, but, but I'm, uh, I'm very sensitive to, uh, you know, I'm, 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 my, my antennae are up, but you've been very good so far. So no, no jargon jail uh, transgressions. Um, we try. Great. Yeah, no, you're, you're succeeding. Lots of people trying. You're, you're succeeding. Um, you talk a little too about uh, building consensus and and buy-in around new new workflows that I that mm-hmm. I guess are going to be cope uh, cope helpful cope friendly. Mm-hmm. Uh, what 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 does that what does that look like? Trying to get like leadership buy-in. What are, what are we talking about there? I don't know who wants to take this. I can take this one, Caitlin, if that's all right. Um, since I talk about this in the, in the, uh, the, the webinar too, really cope benefits. I mean, it sounds so dry and boring, right? Like if you go to leadership at a nonprofit and it's not about like, here's how I'm going to bring in the next million dollar gift. It's like, okay, please don't bother me. But really this not only benefits your organization and saves time. So there's a clear um, kind of business outcome. You can save a lot of resources and your folks can focus on more of that fundraising or helping their constituents by using this system. Um, But it has a huge benefits for the website users too. So, okay, maybe this isn't a direct um, fundraising tactic, but if the end result is a more enjoyable user experience on your website, that really, really goes a long way. And I think 
nonprofits, um, like I said, having worked for several and just what I've observed tend to think that if people are coming to my website, they care enough about my organization to find what they need, no matter how much digging it takes. And really that's becoming less and less the case. If someone's frustrated, confused, they can't find something easily, you're going to lose them. You may lose their support. They may lose interest in you. So we have to make sure that our website visitors are having a really positive experience. So in order to get buy-in from the organization, those are sort of the two angles I take. This is good for us. This is good for our constituents. But um, me, uh, before yeah. you start to get the buy-in, why is it better for website visitors? What, what, what difference does it make for them? Yeah. So a couple of things. Um, it makes your website more engaging. So let's say you're browsing a nonprofit that you're, you're not familiar with and you see an interesting article, let's say. Um, the first thing is maybe it links at the bottom to other articles from that bank of articles you have that are related to this topic. So they might see that and then go down this rabbit hole. And it's kind of how you get on like a Wikipedia rabbit hole. You start clicking all the links inside and going down these other things. So that's kind of the idea is you can have related information to the page that they're on, and it's going to create a more engaging website experience. Um, We like to say it avoids dead ends where a website visitor is clicking through, they get to a page, and then there's really no obvious place for them to go next. We don't want that to happen. Um, It also makes it more informative. So as the example Caitlin mentioned, um, if someone is seeking out a service of yours and they're on your, your services page and they're looking at something, uh, if you have information from like your staff database pulled right into that page of like, here's the person you contact, you have their questions, then it's all right there. They don't have to then go digging through your contact form, trying to figure out who to get in touch with if they have a follow-up question. Um, so it makes it more informative, more engaging. Um, more relevant, it sounds like. like more, each page has more relevant like you're saying a page would have a contact person, not exactly. just go to our general contact page and try to mm-hmm. try to sort through, you yeah. know, sort through who to talk to. Okay. Yeah, yeah. and the the last thing I'll mention the last thing I'll mention about that too is we've seen nonprofits err on the side of not including this kind of information at all. So out of fear of having to make sure they remember to take down an event when it's passed or avoid having to manually update all these things. They'll just leave blogs off of their website. They'll leave events off of their website. And then that is really irrelevant. I mean, you know, that's what people go to like find this up-to-date information. They want to see that you're doing things. They want to read about you. So the alternative is not a good one to just not include this kind of dynamic information on your website makes it stale um, not helpful, not informative. Yeah, now so you, that's now another the, reason that what you're describing now is the the tail wagging the dog. You're, yes, you're you're uh, unsophisticated content management regimen. Not you, not necessarily the system, but the way you're using it mm-hmm. is uh, is preventing you from putting relevant content on your site. That's yeah. that's antithetical to what the whole purpose of a content management system. And yes. I think we've all been to nonprofit websites that still have their event from six months ago on the homepage. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and bad. that, that right. doesn't yeah. build a lot of trust with your organization. Um, just a week, I think just a week old, you know, yeah. oh, oh, this is coming up. Oh, no, it was last week. Yeah. No, never mind. Uh, yeah. And it just that immediately creates like a hmm feeling <laughs> where yeah, like, what's know, going on over there? Well, uh, right. It just, Right. It all contributes, like Rachel's suggesting, it all contributes to an overall feeling that a donor or a potential donor has. You know, it's, you see something stale on a website. I mean, this is 2022. You know, that shouldn't, 
we're not in uh, 1996 websites where right. you know everything is done by, yeah. by by single keystrokes anymore. It's time for a break. Fourth Dimension Technologies. Their IT solution is IT infra in a box. It's budget friendly and holistic. It's the it's the buffet of IT solutions because you take what you need and leave the rest behind. So as you're browsing the buffet, walking through the line, you've got your tray sliding along on the on the silver rails, you can choose from IT assessment. Yeah, I'd like a dish of that. Multi-factor authentication. Mm, comes in a small bowl, just perfect. I'll take one of those. Other security, cost analysis, help desk. Mm, that looks like a good dessert. I'll take that along as well. And there's more in the buffet that you can choose from. So as you're going along with your tray, you choose what's right for your IT situation, for your budget, fourth dimension technologies. Tony.ma slash 4D. Just like 3D, but they go one dimension deeper. It's time for Tony's take two. Please share nonprofit radio. I grew up with share, share, that's fair. Not uh, not exactly the sharing we're talking about. That's uh, two brothers fighting over the same Tonka truck. Uh, they used to be metal back then. Uh, but that's a bit of a digression. Nonprofit radio. Is it helping you? It's your, I, I presume it is. Otherwise, you wouldn't be listening to me. So it's helping you. Who else can it help that you know? Within your networks, your sphere of influence. Somebody else who works at a nonprofit. Somebody who works at your same nonprofit. Uh, a board member, maybe it's a board member to your nonprofit. You'd like them to have the savvy ideas, but, but then you're going to give away your source of savvy ideas. So maybe that's not such a good idea. Board members at other nonprofits. Okay. So who do you know? I'd be grateful if you'd share the word of Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio so that more folks can learn and benefit the way you are. It, make, it makes perfect sense, right? So in that respect... Actually, uh, share, share, that's fair, is appropriate. So if you can share nonprofit radio with someone else, I'd be grateful. Thanks very much. That is Tony's take two. We've got barely a buttload more time for using Cope to keep your website fresh with Caitlin Gerber and Rachel Cribs. All right, so uh, I made you digress, Rachel. We were talking about, uh, but I remember to go back. I, I usually remember to go back. You, I, you're, you're suffering a lackluster host, but not not uh, not untrainable, just lackluster. So you were talking about getting getting uh, buy-in on these uh, on uh, workflows, adopting these new workflows. Yes. Yeah. So you know, so the two hopefully... rationale. The, the two remind us the two rationales. Uh, good. Good for your constituents, your website visitors. And then also good internally because you're you're saying exponential time savings. Yes, it's an exponential okay. time saver. So hopefully the argument that this is really good for the people we are serving is enough. But if it's not, you can also make the time saving argument. Um, it also ensures it helps you ensure accessibility and ADA compliance. Um more efficiently on your website, which is uh, you know usually that gets everyone's attention. Um, 
But again, that should be because it benefits your constituents. But this is because you can set up those forms in a way that you know the way that you're putting the information in is always going to appear in an accessible way, um, not only in terms of design aesthetics. So we're talking about, um, you know, the typefaces that you're using, some of the formatting things you can preset in this COPE workflow. So every time it appears, it's meeting, it's compliant to that. Um, but it also well, appeals to you're going you're to see consistency yes. across your many pages. That's another thing that you know, it's just a, a general, again, just a general feeling of web web visitors. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, the, mm-hmm. that's a that looks like the the headline on the other page was so much bigger and it was blue, yeah. and this one is smaller and it's red. Well, you know, right. okay, okay. And those design choices ideally should be made very carefully to make sure that it not only looks good but it's it's appealing to folks that may have different disabilities, visual impairments, um, even. It even appeals to um, neurodiverse uh, learners. So COPE, setting up COPE on your website, this is kind of getting back to the benefit to the users. So I promise I will get back to the organization. Um, But it's a good point is that it appeals to, we say, multiple browsing styles, as I mentioned in the webinar. So you might, you know, Tony, you might get to events on a certain web page by following a certain workflow that feels natural to you, but Caitlin might find it differently. And this kind of allows oh, you to follow doing, any of those Caitlin's pathways. Caitlin's doing it wrong then. You're not doing it my way because I'm the center of the universe. So if you're not doing it my way. Every user is, Tony. Every I, user is the center of the universe. Every user is the center it's of the universe. Well, uh, you're shattering my reality or, or <laughs> shattering my subjective reality. So please. I would I would push back because Caitlin is like the most logical person I know. So I'm sure hers would be uh, very direct. But uh, it appeals to that neurodiversity, which, again, just gets back to um, being more compliant and inclusive on your website, which is going to to promote a sense of inclusivity of your brand and your organization. But um, the last so that that ADA compliance is is usually a strong case um, to make with uh, senior leadership and other members of your internal organization. Um, And another big one is that it improves your search engine optimization results. So um, when folks are searching for different things on your website. If Google suspects a sense of, of structure to your content, um, it's going to prioritize that in your SEO. Um, and also, if you have the same piece of content, like a news article that pops up in multiple places, it's also slightly more likely to appear appear higher. So when people are asking, how can we improve our SEO? This is one really great way to be able to do that. So saying- those are kind of the big the big. Um, Benefits. I'm sorry, what were you going to say? Benefits, the advantages. Okay. Okay. Um, You said it's interesting. If Google senses a a structure, Mm -hmm. it can can suss out a a better organized versus less well-organized web website? Google is, a sentient, Google is a sentient being. He, Google is very all-knowing. <laughs> sorry, Caitlin, go ahead. <laughs> no, it definitely, it definitely can. Um, so it can tell if there are pages that are related to, to each other. So it is a bot that crawls around your website. And yeah. if you're making it easy for it to do that by relating things to each other that make sense, um, it is going to reward you for that. Um, and as Rachel mentioned earlier, having things in the appropriate uh, it, aesthetics, but it is also kind of the underlying code, um, making sure you have a header on every page, making sure you have a description, 
captions for photos, relevant links, things like that. Um, it rewards that as well because it can tell that your content is broken up, that it's been thought through, um, and it rewards those types of behaviors. Um, and so having a system that kind of enforces that for you um, really goes a long way. Um, we've all seen pages that are kind of just walls of text with uh, you know scattered headings and things like that. Um, Google can tell that that is scattered. <laughs> um, yeah. And so you want to make sure things are as structured as possible um, and using this workflow really goes a long way to achieving that structure that Google is going to reward. Yeah, if you took away all the aesthetics from a website that's designed this way, you would see a very thoughtfully, um, a very intentional like network and a web. And that's actually like internally how we design our sites as we start with those those wireframes first and just these literal diagrams. And so that's kind of what Google can see through versus like if you're creating a website that reads more like a book of just like information, 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 you want to think of it more as an interconnected web of information. And that's that's what Google is going to like better. That's really what's easier to browse from a user perspective, but kind of what Caitlin's getting at with SEO. Okay. Okay. Interesting. What else should we know about COPE that uh, you shared in, don't hold back on the nonprofit radio listeners. That, <laughs> what else did you share in your session? Um, I think that, I mean, what I would say, again, coming from the the former nonprofit admin space is don't underestimate the importance of doing this kind of research when you're coming up with a new web solution. Don't just look for a website that is going to look really good, but it has to have some underlying structure, make your job easier, um, make your website visitors have a more enjoyable experience. It's really, really, really critically important. And and we think that uh, lots of other people do, too, that having a cope workflow and cope systems is is key to that. Um, we in in other conversations Caitlin and I've had, and you've maybe heard this before, nonprofits are now calling their websites their digital front door, um, especially during COVID. This is maybe the only way or one of the few ways we have to establish touch points with our constituents, donors, you know, clients, patrons that we're working with. Um, so I think that nonprofits should start investing the time in thinking as carefully about it as they do their brick and mortar um, organizations. Um, so, so COPE, we think, is a really important part of that, of that structure. Caitlin, can you remember any questions that you got that were uh, significant? Yeah, I think uh, people are always scared of how do I start? <laughs> um, like, okay, I want to do this. How do I even start doing this? Um, and I think not being afraid to just take that first step of just seeing where you are, um, because you might be surprised. You might find that a lot of your content already is in this workflow and you're doing a good job um, and you might just need to make a few tweaks. Um, so I think people hear this and think, oh, my God, I'm going to have to start from scratch. Um, and if you're using a common content management system, that's probably not the case. Um, you're probably already somewhat there. Um, and so I think doing this assessment can really help people feel better um, and feel more equipped with that knowledge. I think it sounds scary because it is an acronym and it is web development um, and it can be this very technical thing. Um, and so I think the where do I start is the question that we get the most. Um, and it really is start with just seeing where you're at. Um, and I think you'll feel a lot better. Um, and I think 
too, uh, you know, it's working with the right people. Um, so oftentimes, uh, find a partner that will work with you on this, um, and make your life easier and they'll understand. Um, so I think it's all about finding those right partnerships, um, to, to kind of help bring this, bring this to life. Um, but start somewhere. Uh, that's the biggest thing is don't be intimidated by it. Um, don't be scared of it because it's technical. Um, kind of take that first step and just see where you are. Okay. Tony, can I add one other thing to that? Absolutely. Um, in terms of where to start, you know, start with one example, start with one place where you've decided, okay, these two pieces of content relate, let's have them appear on each other's pages or connect in some way. And the place to start might be, um, you know, if you listen to, if you listen to your audiences or your constituents, maybe like, what's a question you're always getting that you're like, oh, this is on the website. Why are people not finding it on the website? Maybe adopting a cope mindset could be the solution to mitigating some of those questions. And that might mm-hmm. indicate where to start with setting up some of these structures and okay. see how that works. So you don't have to create this whole interconnected web all at one time. Maybe just start with one connection and build from there. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. Consistent with what Caitlin said, you know, don't be intimidated. Mm-hmm. Um, it's cope, you know, it's cope. It's, it's not uh it's not like, you know, some abstruse acronym. Yeah. It's cope. Create once, publish everywhere. It's friendly. You can cope with and it. Was, it. You can cope it was with cope. Popularized. We can cope with cope. It was popularized by NPR. What's more friendly than NPR? So oh, was it? You know, we know that this is, yeah, the, about a decade ago. I think that's where the term became popularized. Um, because they, they executed it on their, on their many sites. To be honest with you, I'm not sure why it was popularized, but I know that it was kind of at a time when, okay, websites are becoming next level. Content creators have to start getting more savvy with how we're pushing information out. Um, I think it had to do more with timing than this is necessarily something that they had adopted. Okay. Um, Maybe that was like the 2008, 2010, if I have the timing right, you know, like making websites more sophisticated, much more user-friendly, thinking about the users who are coming and what their, what yes. their flows are, mapping, mm-hmm. mapping their journeys through sites, things like that. All right. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Wonderful. Thank you. From uh, both from Cleveland, Ohio, the home of the, uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. <laughs> yes. Caitlin Gerber, Director of Operations at Form. Rachel Cribbs, Account Executive at Form. Where, what's, the, uh, what's the Form website? You want to say it together? Ready? So, Just kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. It's theformgroup.com. Theformgroup.com. Mm-hmm. Okay. Caitlin, Rachel, thank you very much. Thank Thanks, you, Tony. Pleasure. And thank you for being with Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio Coverage of 22NTC. Next week, more from 22NTC. If you missed any part of this week's show, I beseech you. Find it at TonyMartinetti.com. We're sponsored by Turn2 Communications, PR and content for nonprofits. Your story is their mission. Turn-2.co. Did my voice just crack like I'm 14? Your story. And by Fourth Dimension Technologies, IT Infra in a Box, the affordable tech solution for nonprofits. Tony.ma slash 4D. Just like 3D but they go one dimension deeper. Our creative producer is Claire Meyerhoff. The show's social media is by Susan Chavez. Mark Silverman is our web guy. And this music is by Scott Stein. 
thank you for that affirmation, Scotty. Be with me next week for Nonprofit Radio. Big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. Go out and be great.